to worship. We come to worship. All glory belongs to him. Let's do that right now. Jesus, we come to worship. We've come to glorify, to lift you up, to give you all praise. Jesus, we come to praise you this morning. Amen, amen. Welcome this morning. If you have a Bible with you, let's look at Romans chapter 11, if we could stand out of respect to the word. And just before I begin to read the scripture this morning, uh, brother and sister Brown do greet you. They are uh, actually preaching at uh, Brother Thomas's church uh, this morning, so they are away, and they greet you, and of course, they're, they're praying for our services as we're praying for them as well. In Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 16, and uh, there's a microphone that's being jiggled around somewhere. <laughs> Romans chapter 11, starting at verse 16, it says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump also, or the lump is also holy. For if the root be holy, so are the branches. Verse 17, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest, or partakers of the root and fatness of the olive, verse 18, boast not against the branches, but if the if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Going back to verse 17, it says, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. From these portions of Scripture, I want to preach about being grafted today, being grafted. Lord Jesus, Thank you for your presence is here, for the lives that you've already touched. Thank you for those that are also listening online. May your anointing go right through the broadcast to minister to them as well. And, of course, Lord, minister to everyone that's in this sanctuary. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You can be seated. God bless you. To any of our guests that are here today, we welcome you. Now, I need to give you a little bit of an illustration Uh a long time ago when I was a kid, and I know some of you might have a hard time grasping that, but I was young at one point, and, uh, and I remember in science class one year, the teacher was talking about grafting, and so I don't know really what got a hold of me, but I figured, you know what, I'm going to try it. My sister may not remember this, but we were living in Enfield at the time, and in our backyard there was a sapling that was growing. It was a small tree, and uh, it was maybe, I guess, a little bit more than chest high or so, and it had two main branches that were going out, one to one side and one to the other, and it was an oak tree. And so I figured, you know what, I'm going to try this thing called grafting. And so I cut off that branch on the right-hand side. I cut it off, and then I put a notch in there. And then I went and I found a branch from a red oak tree. This was a green tree, 
And now I was grafting in a branch from a red oak tree. And so on one side, the branch came out this way, was red. And on that side, it was green. And I grafted it together. I cut a notch and I put it in there and I taped it together. And then I took some string and I, uh, I supported that branch so that it would not fall over. And after that, I kind of just forgot about it. It was maybe a year or so later that we moved out of that house and moved over to Suffield. And again, I had forgotten about it for a long time. And one day, uh, just some, I was kind of reminiscing. I was thinking about different places that we had lived. And so I decided, I took one day and I started driving through Glastonbury where, where, uh, where I was born and then uh, the houses that we lived there and then East Hartford and then I drove by this house over in Enfield and as I was driving by, I looked into the backyard and now there was this big tree in the backyard. When we lived there, it was small, but now it was big. And I looked and I remembered that grafting because I looked at that tree and half of it was green and the other half of it was red. Because the grafting I put in there was of a red oak tree. And I began to think how crazy people must have thought, how can a tree grow half green and half red? It's just not normally done. Now, the people that lived after us probably didn't have any idea that I had actually grafted in that branch. But that branch became a natural part of that tree. And it was growing just like it was that way from the very beginning. In Romans chapter 11, the image of grafting is used to illustrate the relationship between Israel and the Gentile people. Gentile believers had been grafted into the olive tree or had been grafted in to become part of God's chosen people. They were not a separate nation, but they were one. Please notice that. They were not a separate nation, but they were all one chosen people saved by God's grace. So grafting is a way of connecting part of the tree to the root system or to the trunk of another tree. Grafting is a horticultural technique whereby tissues or uh, tissues of plants are joined so that as to continue their growth together, not apart, but together, instead of cross-pollinating or uh, of two plants to, or producing some sort of hybrid seed, the idea of grafting plants was the idea of using the roots or the bottom portion of one plant, which is called the rootstock, and to attach to it a tender shoot, what they call a scion, S-C-I-O-N, from the top portion of another plant. This is often done with trees and shrubs, and I know I'm giving you a little foundation, so kind of bear with me for a few moments. But this is often done with trees and shrubs 
to combine the best characteristics of two plants. The characteristics of rootstock can make it possible to grow plants faster and in less desirable conditions. Keep that in your mind for a few moments. Many plants cannot survive harsh conditions like cold weather because their natural root system can't handle it. But by grafting or using a better root system, they can withstand harsher weather. Are you all with me so far? Most, uh, or, or one of the most common uses of rootstocks is creating what they call dwarf trees. Most fruit trees are, 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 are not only too large for the average backyard, but they also take years to mature to the size that they are capable of bearing fruit. So rootstocks can contrib contrib contribute uh, traits to improve yield, to withstand the harsher, colder weathers, and also to help them to uh, deal with drought-type situations and even disease resistance and things like that. So again, I, I'm laying a foundation. Grafting can be defined as the natural or deliberate fusion of two or more plants to, so that they can form a single plant. Two adjacent intact plants or, or different branches of the same plant can become naturally and intentionally grafted together. Deliberate grafting involves inserting a previously cut shoot into the opening of another plant, growing on its own root, root, uh, root system. So when you are saved, or when you were saved, you were grafted into God's root system. Are you still with me? We look in the Old Testament, and we look at Jacob, he was an individual that used something, that, a, a technique that was extremely powerful, and in some ways it was cheating. I'm going to show you about some of the things that he did, but he used a technique to cause animals to birth certain kinds of other animals, not just a goat to a goat or a sheep to a sheep, but more like the, you'll see rain straked or some that had white in them, some that were brown. And so he used a technique. You've got to pay attention to it as I read it in Genesis chapter 30, starting at verse 35. And he removed that day the he goats that were rain straked and spotted and all the she goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had some white in it. And all the brown among the sheep he gave them to the, into the hand of his sons. And he set three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Now notice verse 37. And Jacob took him roots of green poplar and of hazel and of chestnut tree and piled white stakes uh, strakes in them, 
and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had piled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink. So let me explain. So he took these sticks and he placed them in the watering trough. So when the animals would come in and drink, they would look in there and they would see these white streaks, green and white and brown and white. They would see that in the watering trough. Verse 39, And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring-straked and speckled and spotted. And Jacob, here's some important information, and Jacob did separate the lambs and set their faces of the flocks towards the rain strake, and all the brown in the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves. Am I driving you crazy yet, Sister Ellen? And put them not into Laban's cattle. And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before their eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle, and had maidservants and manservants and camels and donkeys. I know that's a little bit of a raw, uh, long reading, but when you get a chance to look into it, I mentioned cheating. It's not really cheating, but what was happening was that Jacob wanted the healthiest and the best animals for himself. And he gave to Laban, his father-in-law, the weaker and the more feeble animals. So Jacob used this technique to produce the best flocks that he would keep. In a sense, it was like grafting. Now, grafting is specifically mentioned in the New Testament in Romans 11, verse 24. For if thou wert cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Every one of us this morning needs to be thankful that God grafted us into his family that he grafted us so that we were, and understand, we were those wild branches. We were those ones as Gentiles that didn't belong to the family of God. We weren't a part of the family of God, but he grafted us in, or he made us a part of his great family. And there is a synergy that comes from the roots and the leaves that function together. Now, I want to say this, that Israel has been under attack of late, but I want to remind you that they're still God's people, and God is going to protect them. Just like he's going to protect his church, he's also going to protect Israel. 
because Israel is still the people of God as a nation. But thankfully, we're grafted in. But let me show you a few facts. The roots provide sustenance. They provide nutrients to the tree. And the leaves provide food and air to help a plant stay healthy and grow through something called photosynthesis. Sorry, I'm tongue-tied. <laughs> the leaves turn light and energy into food. Through the pores of the leaves, they, they breathe. They breathe in carbon dioxide, and they breathe out oxygen. Leaves also release water or excess water, much like we do when we sweat. It is the releasing of excess water. When a plant and a tree is grafted, I, I want you to pay close attention to this. When you graft a plant, you are damaging the plant. You are injuring the plant. When you cut off a branch, you are injuring that plant. Just like our bodies, when we get hurt, the natural healing process begins to occur in our bodies. A graft, in a sense, talking about a tree, uh, involves, there, there's healing that is involved. When, when, when that grafting or when that branch is cut off and a new branch is put in there, it involves a healing process. There is something that happens within the tree that sends a signal to the root system that says there is damage in the tree. And just like in our physical bodies, when you get injured, your body sends a, your mind sends a signal to the body, and the body says something is wrong, and we work to fix it. Have you ever had a fever? A fever is a way of the body saying, is a reporting system to the mind that says something is wrong, something is amiss in the body. And so in a tree, when it, that cell wall is damaged, the cell wall has a breach, is perceived by the plant, and there is a trigger that is set off, and a variety of self-defense things begin to happen, and a growth begins to respond. The idea of growth begins to respond. In humans, again, our bodies sense injuries, send nutrients to the infection and fighting substances to speed the healing process. In plants, the injured plant sends nutrients to help it heal. When grafting occurs, the plant works to fix the injury. So the plant works to connect the cells to make it whole again. So when you take a grafting, a piece of branch, and put it into an area that's prepared in the other tree, the tree is sending up, the rootstock is sending up the nutrients that are intended to make that grafting work, to make that connection work. So for instance, Damage to the cell wall releases a chemical and chemical fragments that are thought to be detected by the sensors in the cell of the piece which is being grafted in.
and it is trying to uh, it is trying to grow and and to initiate growth. So when grafting, the success of joining requires that the vascular tissues grow together. In other words, almost like a blood vessel, connecting the blood vessels so that the sap or so that the nutrients can flow from the root system of one tree into that piece which is being grafted into it. In most cases, one plant is selected for its roots. That is called the stock or the root stock, as I mentioned before. The other plant is selected for its stems or its leaves or its flowers. Now, hopefully it's a little bit clearer on this image back here, but what you can see here is a tree that has been grafted. One part of the tree has white flowers, and the other part of the tree has pink flowers. This is showing you what a successful graft is like. Have you any time in the last or any time in, the, in your history ever gone to a, uh, like an apple farm? You know, especially in the fall, you could go to these apple orchards and, and you could walk through and pick your apples. Or if you're lazy, you just go buy a basketful. But have you ever gone to an orchard? Most of those trees are not real tall, are they? Most of the branches you can reach up and pick the fruit yourself. They are not naturally that way. The entire orchard has gone through something called grafting. They took the root system of one tree and they grafted in the apple trees and they designed it in such a way that they will only grow so tall. In conjunction with that, there is something that is going on within those plants themselves because not only is it grafted, but it is also uh, being pruned. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. So for, sec for successful grafting, Sister Ellen, if you could let our sister know that her speaker is on. For successful grafting to take place, the vascular tissues of the stock and the scion plants must be placed in contact with each other. So I want you to understand and to know that we being the body of Christ need to have contact with one another. The Bible says, and it tells us, to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. One of the problems with COVID and, and, and the, the pandemic that's going on is this. And I want you to listen very carefully. That good, godly, God-fearing people who love God have been talked out of coming to church for fear of disease and sickness. As a result, their growth process has been stunted. If you haven't, and this is for those of you online as well, if you haven't been back to the house of God yet, you need to get back to the house of God because your growth takes place when you are connected with people of like precious faith. Amen. I may not get any attaboys this morning, 
but I'm going to preach the truth. So successful graft, grafting only requires that that vascular connection take place between the grafted tissues. And it will give life, it will give life that God intended for it to be. For a tree research conducted has shown that the connection takes place in about three days or within about three days of the initial grafting. But then a deeper connection takes place within about seven days. And then it can take an entire growing season for that grafting to completely take place. But during that time, the part that's been grafted in needs to be protected for that healing to take place. But over time, it will become fully ones. Everybody say one. So when that wild olive branch is grafted in or when you give your life to God, it might not feel natural to start with. That experience is great and it's grand and it's glorious, but it takes work for you to connect. Your branch has to connect with the tree. Somebody help me out this morning. Every one of us as part of the church, part of the family of God, has got to work at grafting our branch to the rest of the branches, our tree to the rest of the tree. I'm going to show you some powerful principles here in just a little bit. But just like us, when we come to God, there is an immediate connection. But that connection grows stronger over time. That initial grafting becomes stronger. When you and I gave your li our lives to God, God grafted us into his church and to be a part of his family. You become, in a sense, one with God. Now, our theme this year is rooted, and I really didn't intend directly to have this message connect with that, but in the process of studying and praying, God said, this goes right along with the theme of the church for this year. We are rooted and grounded in him. We don't need to be rooted and grounded in the world. We need to be rooted and grounded in the church, in the word of God, and in the things of God. Can I have an amen this morning? If you take the time to grow in him, that connection of grafting allows you to understand that what is flowing in you is of him. Now, I go back to the illustration I started out with. Now, I, I, actually, I probably should drive by that house I was telling you about earlier that we lived in in Enfield I, because it's been years now. I don't even know if the tree still is there. But it was about uh, maybe 10 or so years that I, ago that I drove by. And I was amazed to see that half the tree was green and half of it was red. It was all an oak tree, but one was a regular oak tree. The other one was a red oak tree. But there was enough similarities where they could be bound together. I am grateful for, grateful for a church that believes in having a multicultural aspect to our assembly. 
Because no matter what color you are, no matter what nationality you were born, you're still a part of the family of God. When you get to heaven, it won't be a black church over here and a white church over there and a Spanish church over there. It's going to be one church, and we're going to worship the Lord together. And we're going to worship in one mind and one accord. When I was looking at the Word of God, I was thinking about the woman with the issue of blood. You, most of you know the story that the woman with the issue of blood had been sick for many years. She had spent all of her money on doctors and physicians to try to help her. But the Bible says she was no better than before she started. But one day she heard Jesus was coming to her city. And something in her mind, sister said, if I can just touch him, if I can just get to Jesus, I know that I will be made whole. The powerful aspect of this is she didn't even think she was worthy to get his attention. She kind of snuck up on Jesus. Everybody else is going, hey, Jesus, I'm over here. You know, heal me. You know, see me, Jesus? Trying to get right in his face. But not this lady. She came up behind him and grabbed just the hem of his garment. And at that very moment, the Bible tells us that her disease was healed. When we see what the Bible tells us, the Bible says that virtue came out of Jesus. Are you still with me? He didn't have to speak the word. All she had to do is have the connection with Jesus. Now, I dare you to try something this morning. Against that back wall and this side wall over there, there are electrical side sockets. If you got a pair of scissors, go shove the scissors into those sockets and see what happens. <laughs> now, please don't take that as a literal challenge. I don't want anybody to do that. We don't need to knock out the sound system by popping a breaker. But you, you have you ever been shocked? Anybody ever been shocked? You know how that happened? You made a connection with the electrical system that was not designed to happen that way. When I was a child and we lived in, I think it was Glastonbury at the time, in a two or three family house, and this is during the days of record players. Now some of you just lost me right there. But a record player was one of those devices that you put one of those vinyl discs on and you had this little arm that you would come over and you would put it on the record, and that connection would allow the, the, the sound to come out of those speakers. Well, I had this little portable record player, and I plugged it in, and I think it was either our living room or dining room, I don't remember. But So when I was done playing the records, I tried to unplug it, and it would not pull out of the socket. So I decided 
that I could take a pair of scissors and shove it down there between the, the plug and the wall and pry it out of the socket. Needless to say, I had a shocking experience. It blew me across the wall, across the, across the room, and when I looked a little bit later, those scissors had a big hole that was burnt in them. I realized really quick you don't mess with electricity. But it was that connection that caused that. And so we should understand that we have a direct connection with the Lord. And so going back to this woman with the issue of blood, she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. He stopped at that moment and said, who touched me? Everybody still with me? Who touched me? His disciples were looking at Jesus like he had lost a few marbles. And they, they you know, he's saying, who touched me? And they're saying, Jesus, you're in a crowd of people. Everybody's touching you. You're rubbing up against everybody. Everybody was trying to reach out and just touch the Lord. Everybody was reaching out and trying to rub shoulders with Jesus and get closer to him. But Jesus said, no, this wasn't like any of the other touches. This touch was unique. This touch, when this lady, when this person touched me, and he knew exactly who she was, but when, when he touched or when she touched the hem of his garment, he said, virtue, that touch caused virtue or caused life to come out of me and go into her. She was healed because of the connection, not because of her race, not because of her color, but because of the connection. We need to have a connection with Jesus if we are going to grow. If you need healing, it's going to take a connection to Jesus. In John 15, starting at 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. What he is saying is, uh, if you cut the branch off from the tree, the branch is going to die. But if you want it to grow fruit, uh, if you want it to bear fruit, it's got to stay connected to the tree. And even if it is broken off at a certain amount of time, you can reconnect it. But you have a limited amount of time. He goes on. He says, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same beareth, uh, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. The church needs to understand that without him, we can't do anything. Oh, we could have church and we could sing songs. And we might even enjoy getting together with one another. But if we want to have a move of God, it's going to take the presence of God. It's going to take our connection with him. 
if you remove the, the branch from the tree, it dies. The, the same holds true of people who don't come to church. They begin to wither and die. And I said before, I believe the curse of the COVID pandemic is that good God-fearing people have allowed themselves to be deceived into getting away from what we need as a people. Some people may argue that you don't need to have church or, or, or go to church to have a relationship with God, and there might be a certain amount of truth to that. But I remember many years ago a man, and none of you know who this is, but he had gotten riled up about something, and it wasn't here at this assembly, but it was a man that I knew he got riled up about something, and he decided I'm going to take my family out of church and I'm going to teach them at home on Sunday morning and we're going to have our own little church. And I told him, I said, you need a church. You need a church family. Stay connected to your church. He would not listen to me. And for about a month or so, a month and a half, they had church services in their, uh, in their, in their living room. And the kids would sing, and they would sing, and they would read scriptures, and then they missed a Sunday. But then they jumped back in for another Sunday or two, and then they missed a couple Sundays. They jumped back in for a few more Sundays, and then they missed a whole bunch of Sundays. Next thing you know, you couldn't even recognize that they had ever attended church, that they ever had a relationship with God. They had totally cut themselves out of a relationship with the Lord. I, I, I want to somehow impact you with that idea that we need to stay connected to God's people and to his church. I've seen too many people leave churches with the idea that they can have church at home, prayer at home, and, and yes, we can in a certain sense, and you ought to be praying at home. If you're not, shame on you. But it needs to have a connection with God, His Word, and His church. We need to stay connected to the root system. We need to stay connected to Jesus and His church if we are to grow in God. I, I noticed something the other day, and this is what I was talking about a little earlier. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, I want you to look at this with me. It says, and he showed me, talking to John the Revelator, he, he showed John the Revelator a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now look at verse 2. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. Now notice this, which bear 12 manner of fruits and yielding her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Hmm. Kind of sounds like grafting to me. It kind of sounds like God said, you know what? They need to have fruit or they need to have sustenance all year long. Not and, and listen, I love going to orchards. I love the smell of those apples and the you know the the fall, the crisp air and and you walk into those little 
side of the road stands where they've got all the fruits and vegetables and everything. You walk in there, the smell is just amazing. You, you know what I'm talking about. But it's only for a short period of time. That's the problem with it. If you want real fresh apples, then you have to go in the fall to get them. Now, you could go to the grocery store, and they have apples, and they have pears all year long, right? But they are getting them from other parts of the country and or the world. And I've been there when I, you know, how many of you have ever bought an apple at the grocery store, and it looks so beautiful on the outside? I mean, it's red. It looks like somebody took it to a buffing machine and just buffed it out. It's all beautiful and red and shiny or they waxed it or something, you, you, you know. Uh, but there's been a few times where, where my wife has bought some apples and brought them to the house, and, and man, they're beautiful. I mean, red, and they're, they just look really good until you bite into them. You ever bite into one of those and it's brown on the inside? Oh, that's happened to me. That's gnarly. I mean, that's just nasty when it looks good on the outside, but it's nasty on the inside. By the way, you, you know what's worse than a worm and an apple? Half a worm. Maybe you'll get that later on. <laughs> hey, Sam, don't fall out back there, I see. <laughs> so, so anyhow, let me get back on track here for just a moment. So you can get, and, and many times it is, uh, you know, fruit that's okay and is good, and I'm grateful for it. But sometimes they have to pick it early. I, I, you know, I like bananas. But many times we have to get them, they're green. Because that's all that's available. They pick them while they're green. And then they ship them from whatever countries or regions so that we can get them, right? And so there's that limited span of time. And so here, when I was reading this scripture in Revelation 22, when it says 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, it was talking to me about grafting. One tree yielding or producing 12 kinds of fruit. That meant that they could be fed all year long. That every month another fruit was coming into season. How can one tree yield 12 different kinds of fruit? It's got to be grafting. But it's just like Jesus' church. All kinds of nations, all kinds of skin colors and nationalities to make up the body of Christ. One body, but yet many members. In Romans 12 and 5, it says, So we being many are one body in Christ, every one members one of another. I, I, I hadn't planned on saying this, but I believe I need to. The reason God hates schism or division in the body is because someone gets alienated from someone else. And if you will look at your Bible, it gives us many solutions to that. If you have ought against your brother, you're supposed to go to your brother and get it right. Somebody help me out here this morning. 
if we want to be the church that Jesus is coming back for that is on fire with revival and God is moving and doing great things, uh, then we have got to get rid of divisions in the body of Christ uh, and we've got to stand uh, hand in hand, arm in arm, uh, loving each other, worshiping the Lord together and not allowing division to be a part of our body. Your physical body works naturally to heal itself. And so does the tree. But the church should as well. We should work to heal each other. Now for a moment, let me talk about the process of pruning. There's not too many of us that like to be pruned. Somebody say amen to that. Now, I know I need to lose weight, but I really love chocolate chip cookies. I, I'm just telling you, to be honest with you. And whenever there aren't chocolate chip cookies in the house, I feel pruned. I feel like something's wrong with our house. It's not producing any more cookies. So I'll usually text my wife and say, Chocolate chip cookies, please. <laughs> but the process, and, and I know I need, anyhow, you get the idea. But pruning is both a natural and also an intended way to bring healing and correct growth. Now, we love going to these side-of-the-road stands and these orchards, but you don't realize that although that span of time where they, we are able to go there and pick our own apples and pick our own pears and that kind of stuff, there's a lot of work that leads up to it, but then there's also a lot of work after it. All winter long when we're going to stop and shop and getting apples, those apple orchards like Lyman's and other places that are around here, they're working. They don't just wait for those apples to come out in the fall. In the wintertime, they're in there with their tools and equipment, and they're cutting out the old and the dead and the less productive branches. Why are they doing that? The reason that they're doing that is because they know that the, less, the least productive uh, branches are going to take away from the health of that new harvest that's going to come in of those new branches and those buds uh, that are going to come out in the spring. So as a result of that, they intentionally prune those trees. We're getting the final result, but they've been working all year for it, and they had to prune the trees. Now, most of you may not have seen it, but in our yard, there is a huge pear tree. I mean, it's absolutely huge. And it has been there for many, many, many years. It's way bigger than it should be. Way too full. When I say our yard, it's really right on the edge of our property, and the neighbor's property is, pro property is probably more their tree. But if it was my tree... I would make some adjustments to, uh, adjustments to it. 
I would get in there and cut out at least half of the branches. And I'd probably take a big chunk of the top off of that tree. Because here's the problem. It produces lots of pears, but they're about that big. They're about the size of a silver dollar. There are tons and tons and tons of pears. There are actually too many pears. Because the tree has never been pruned, it is just uh, growing and growing and growing, but it is not producing. So it should have been pruned. Now, we don't like storms too much. But when a storm comes, have you ever had branches that have fallen out of trees in your yard? If you've got trees in your yard or a big storm comes through and there's branches all over the streets, you know what I'm talking about? That is the natural process of pruning that a storm comes and it knocks out all the deadness. Well, we as the people of God need to understand that when a storm comes in your life, it's not coming to destroy you, it's coming to prune you. Because God sees greatness in you. He sees ability and power and growth in you. And he allows the storm so that you can be pruned. Those storms take away the deadness of the tree. Those storms take away the deadness of us. So pruning, notice this, pruning allows the fruit tree to focus on growth. The non-productive branches, branches are removed and the healthy branches can produce healthier and better fruit. In John chapter 15 and verse 2, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I want to show you a few more scriptures before I close. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3, it says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, notice this, he might be glorified. So if you're grafted or if you want to be grafted into the body of Christ, you become part of his life, of his roots. And then in Ephesians 3, verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I, I, I have to stop here for just a moment. You know what? Sometimes people are hard to love. Now, I know I'm lovable. I, I, I just know that. You know, it just comes natural. You know, I just, you know, anyhow. But. Some people are hard to love, right? Some people, in order to love them, you've got to push it just a little bit harder. I love what it says here, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Then it goes on, it says, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. I'm going to go into that in just a moment. 
But what the Lord is saying is when we are rooted and grounded in love, then we begin to see the breadth and the height and the depth and so forth and so on. It goes on and says to know the love of Christ. So first we're grounded in love. And then we begin to see the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And then to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. This whole message is about being grafted. And when a branch is connected to a live branch, is connected to a live tree, the source of food comes from that tree and goes up into that new branch. The same is true in us. When we are grounded in Jesus Christ, His life flow, His blood, the nutrients that come from Him begin to flow into us and nurture us and change us and to shape us and to mold us. And this is why it is so important to understand that you keep feeding that root system. You keep making sure that that tree is going to stay healthy. Now, just a week or so ago, maybe it was last week, my wife and another lady planted a whole bunch of new plants out in front of the church. Now, I've said this a thousand times. I'll pr probably say it a lot more. I am really good at killing trees and branches and flowers and stuff like that. I'm really good at killing them. Not on purpose. It just happens. I was not born with a green thumb. Not born with a green thumb. But I realized that since the time that they planted them, we haven't watered them. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, I hadn't. So this morning I'm in my suit and I go into the kitchen and I get that water, watering can and I fill it full of water and I go out and I make sure that they're all watered because we don't want to spend money on them to have them die on us. And so it takes a process of working with it. And by the way, if any of you is really good at that kind of stuff, see me after church. We need a volunteer that can keep me from killing the plants. And so, but you get the idea is that you can't just plant it and leave it. You've got to take care of it. That's why you and I need to learn how to pray, how to communicate with God, uh, how to read the Word and study the Word and glean more out of the Word uh, so that that life flow can flow in us and so that we can be rooted and grounded in Him. You can only be rooted and grounded in Him if you're grafted in. So after grafting, you have a life, your whole life following you in your service to God and in your walk with Him. Amen. you got your whole life ahead of you. 
Just like when God filled me with the Holy Ghost years ago, I had my whole life ahead of me as far as my walk with God is concerned. And I'm grateful for every moment. I'm grateful for that time that we have in Him because He is great and He is awesome. And, and, and one thing I have learned, you know, years ago, I remember somebody saying, you know what, when so-and-so preacher wasn't here at our church, but it was somewhere else, and, and they said, when so-and-so preaches, I don't get anything out of it. I don't know why, but I just don't get anything out of it. And I said, you know what? If your heart is right with God, it doesn't matter who preaches. It doesn't matter who's behind the pulpit. Uh, amen. Mickey Mouse could be up there preaching the word of God, and you'll get something out of it. Because you're hungry, and you want to get fed, uh, and you want to grow. Uh, and when you desire it enough, when you have it inside of you, I'm going to hear something, and I'm going to get something from God. No matter what, you're going to get it, uh, that God will touch you. He will always have something for someone that is hungry in him. Could you stand with me this morning as our musicians will come? You know, when the service started, I didn't really feel like the Lord was just going to have us do a regular altar call type service. So I asked Brother Rosa if he would pray during the service and that he could lead us in prayer so that we might somehow draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And have a closer and more dynamic relationship with him. But not just with the Lord, with one another as well. We are rooted in him. We are grounded in him. I am so grateful when God grafted me into his church. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up serving the Lord. But he grafted me in. He brought me in. You know, I love my natural family, but I also love my spiritual family, my church family. When I look out and I see you walking up, walking through the front door and into the sanctuary, it always does my heart good to see my brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, one of these days, the Lord is going to call his church home. And I believe with everything that's going on in our world, it's going to be sooner rather than later. I think you agree with that. The Lord is coming back. He's coming back for his people. What an awesome day that will be. When that last trump sounds and the dead in Christ are rise, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the, in the sky and the heavens. What a glorious day that's going to be. Sister Deb, it's going to be awesome when we get up there. And there's going to be multitudes and multitudes of people. But as we're walking around and I can walk up and say, hey, See that lady? That's Sister Deb over there. We, we worship the Lord together down there in Connecticut. Now we're up here together. We're going to be able to recognize one another and rejoice that we made it. That we made it. The Bible says we're going to know as we are known. So Now I just hope that when the rapture happens, he makes a skinnier version of me. 
maybe a little younger version of me. I don't know, but somehow you'll still be able to recognize me. Oh, Wendy, I'll get to recognize you when we get to heaven. Kevin, amen. Brother Mike Brown, when we get to heaven, we're going we're gonna to know each other. We're going to know as we were known. So we're going to walk up. Sister Trudy, amen. Praise God. We're, we're going to worship the Lord together and thank God that we were grafted into the church that we were grafted into the body of Christ. And that life flow that comes up from the roots, uh, that is the life flow that comes from Jesus himself. Uh, and just like the woman with the issue of the bl of blood, when she touched his garment, virtue flowed, and he knew it. He knew that something had happened, uh, that somebody received a miracle. And so we're here today, and all we're asking, Lord, is that you would graft us in. We, we know we're already a part of this body, but, Lord, we want to celebrate the fact that you have grafted us in to the church. Amen. The musicians are going to play and sing, and Brother Rosa is going to come, and he's going to lead us in prayer here in just a moment. But as he's coming, what's the song that we're singing? Let's sing this together. I am thine. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we love you this morning. We love you, Jesus. We're your people, God. We are your branches. We are your body, Lord Jesus. Let's sing this together. Drawn to Thee, draw me nearer, let's sing this like a prayer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross, where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Sing the chorus again. Draw me nearer. Draw me nearer. this morning let us be sensitive to the environment that he has created and let us take heed to what he's been telling his church this morning 
in the past few months. I will not keep you for long, but I feel compelled to tell you this. When COVID was first being acknowledged, and the church was only allowed to have 10 people in the building, we were short-staffed to continue giving our congregation the word of God. My wife and I sat at home and we thought and we pondered upon everything. Can I afford to be affected by COVID? You see, I have underlying health problems also. I did my research and I realized that some people with health conditions like mine have a greater chance of not surviving. But there was an urgency that was placed on my heart for the local church that we have here. You see, our God has given us an opportunity for his spirit to speak onto his people so that we can encourage each other regardless of what we go through. And it is just a distraction to break apart God's people. We must not forsake the assembly. God wants his people to come together today. Let us come back together in unity so that we may become what we are supposed to be. God has reminded me of Mark, 35, Mark 8, verses 35 and 36. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the world and lose his own soul? I was a newly wedded man. I have children. And I feared that I, my life might be cut short. But then I started to remind myself, God gives and God takes he knows when it's my time, and I couldn't allow fear to dictate me helping my local church and God's kingdom on this earth. So I took every precaution necessary, but continued to push forth. And God looks from heaven, and I know he sheds a tear when his people do not have enough faith to know that he keeps us all and he loves us all and he knows what we're all going through and he will be with us always. Let us be regrafted back into the church body. Let us reconnect. Let us congregate together. Let us strengthen ourselves together for his sake in unity so that we can continue to reach this world for it needs us much more than it ever has before. Father, we thank you for the atmosphere that you have created this morning. We are here this morning, my Lord Jesus. I ask that you touch everyone each and every last individual that is here in this congregation and that is watching, my Lord Jesus. Give them the strength, give them the knowledge, give them the wisdom in knowing 
that you have been with us throughout this whole thing, my Lord Jesus, and that you are in control of it all. Father, let people know that we need to gather today. The hour for God's church to gather is today. We need to do everything that we possibly can and let him take care of the rest. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your presence this morning. And we know that you shall be with us when we walk out these doors. Until we meet again and congregate together in Jesus' name, God bless you all and enjoy.